Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one-day event are limited, so if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Wendell Bird is a former teacher, legendary basketball coach, and education entrepreneur who has dedicated his career to helping young people be more literate. He's the founder of Readers Are Leaders, a nonprofit that has helped over 35,000 at-risk youth all over the country improve their reading. Their innovative program also helps student-athletes become role models and coaches for their younger peers. They learn patience, encouragement, and enthusiasm as they help struggling students from low-income families become more positive, engaged, and capable students ready to take on life's challenges. Readers Are Leaders started as a pilot project in a couple of cities. Today, they're in more than 38 schools across the country. Most importantly, the students they work with not only improve their reading and earn a shot at a better life, but they also grow into model citizens and mentors in their communities and know how to bring the best out of themselves and their peers. 
In our conversation, we discuss the importance of following your calling to build a lasting legacy, what sets great mentors apart from good ones, and how Wendell scaled to dozens of schools by building a powerhouse team with a shared vision. One more thing before we get to today's interview. I've got a special gift for Lifestyle Investor podcast listeners. Given the nature of today's episode, I thought it would be fitting to share a curated list of all the books that I've read related to money, investing, lifestyle, and personal development. I average around 100 books a year, so the list is pretty extensive. Not only that, But you're going to get a PDF that outlines the top 25 books that I recommend every lifestyle investor either listen to or read. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 114. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Wendell Bird. What's up, Wendell? So good to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. So it's fun how we got connected because I had heard about you before I ever met you and heard so many great things. And uh, I believe our mutual connection is Stephen Vera. He's a lifestyle investor, mastermind member. He's one of our, we call him our OGs. So he's one of our originals, uh, one of our founding members and just is the most amazing guy. He sits on your board. He has been such an advocate for you and all the cool stuff that you're doing. And I've been really excited about uh, doing this interview with you. Well, thank you. I met Stephen about, oh my gosh, over 15 years ago at working out at the YMCA in Reston. And uh, we just, we talked every morning how you you groan every morning trying to go to work out and everything and started talking about literacy with his daughters. And uh, we developed a friendship from there. You know, he's also a Penn State grad. So that meant a lot too. I had sent a player to Penn State, uh, Brian Allen, that he uh, really admired. And so it really was a common denominator. Once we met each other, we were friends for life. Oh, I love it. And by the way, when you say he's a Penn State fan, I think we need to go a little bit further and say the full name, Fanatic. Fanatic. Because he is. He is like all in. And uh, I love it. I love his passion and enthusiasm for life. And he's just so much fun to hang out with. So, And sometimes I was just uh, having... I interviewed Josh Lee earlier, right before this. And uh, we were just talking about how interesting it is that sometimes the most random conversations or ways to connect can kind of breed some of the coolest relationships, some of the coolest friendships. And so the way that I met Josh was he had worked out at my gym. I saw him at a conference and I was like, hey, I think you work out at my gym. So kind of funny that you and Stephen Varab, although he prefers to be called Varab. Correct. Correct. Right. So you and Varab met at the gym. Exactly, exactly. Tremendous person. And I I knew sooner or later, I would be able to get him into our board. We need that type of energy on our board. And uh, Steve, he's definitely bringing that energy and supporting our any needs that we have. He is supporting. Well, cool. Well, so I love your mission in life. I love your passion. And it's through a program that really fights illiteracy. And it fights it in the younger years and the younger ages, which I think is great. And so you started Readers Are Leaders. And I want to dive into this from kind of just like at first a cursory overview. 
Then I want to dive into your story and kind of what brought you to it and then really dissect like where readers or leaders are going. So uh, top level, what is readers or leaders and uh, what made you want to start this organization? Okay. Readers and Leaders is a nonprofit that supports student athletes mentoring elementary school students in reading. I taught elementary school for 31 years. I was a second grade teacher. And then I went over to the high school, South Lakes High School, which is in Reston, Virginia. I became the head basketball coach. I was the basketball coach there for 23 years. With that, our basketball program was very successful. And uh, we always had our hand out asking for funding because I wanted to make sure that our our team was first class all the way when we went on trips. We did holiday trips. So with putting your hand out all the way, you want to be able to say thank you in a way as well. So one day I had this vision of um, in 2002 that we would start Readers of Leaders encompassing what I'm doing in the classroom uh, with literacy and having our student athletes become model citizens by learning literacy skills and promoting those with the elementary school students. So we started with, uh, we have a model campus, South Lakes High School has a model campus with a elementary school, middle school, and high school. Terrace Elementary was the elementary school that we shared the program with, worked with uh, the reading specialist and the principal. And we actually started working with 45 elementary school students. It was a big taking on and 45 student athletes. We trained those student athletes on fundamentals of uh, literacy skills so that they could be prepared to help those students. And we did it for 15 weeks, 15 or more weeks with those elementary school students during our season. It was modeled. We modeled that for two years, and then we expanded that throughout the county, throughout Fairfax County, Arlington County, Alexandria, and the D.C. area. In a nutshell, that's kind of what where we started with it. It was very attractive to other coaches and other elementary schools that we were able to bring student-athletes, and we the student-athletes were developing their skill of becoming a role model within their community. Becoming a role model, you can talk to your student athletes all the time about that, but you have to be able to actually tangibly be thrust into it. So that's what we did. We put our student athletes in it. We put them to a higher level and uh, talked about, you know, these elementary school students are going to see you every day in the community and you need to be up to par all the time. We put a little pressure on them. The student, the elementary school students just love the student athletes coming in and helping them with their reading. So it was a win-win. Yeah. A lot of coaches feel that it's the program was designed for co- for the, the sporting teams. But most of the elementary students, they, they think it's the opposite. That's amazing. I love that program. And I think it's so imperative to have the ability to impact literacy at a young age, because that's where you start to kind of define yourself. It's like self-image kicks in early. And if you feel like you're not smart, you're not well-educated, these are the things that are long-lasting a lot of the time. I mean, my daughter, we recently found out that she was diagnosed with dyslexia. And for the longest time, we've been trying to figure out what 
is it? What is maybe the complication for her in the way that she learns? And thank goodness we figured this out. And it's cool seeing like all the successful people in life and in all different avenues that are dyslexic. But what ended up happening before learning what it was is that she felt like she couldn't read. She'd even say like, I don't know how to read. I'm not good at reading. And that was the negative self-talk was kicking in. And you could see that that follows them. It starts to become ingrained in who they are, that they can start to believe the lie that they're not good enough just the way they are. Exactly. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. We all have different different crutches that we have that we have to bear. And the court system is filled with a lot of students, a lot of young men and young women that can't read. And they, you know, it's a large percentage of people that haven't been touched with reading. They had difficulty in school. They found other means and they found themselves on the wrong track because they couldn't work within a school environment. At the elementary school level, we need to really bear down with literacy as much as we can, and we can do it. We can do it. We can actually support those students by giving them additional support within reading. Yeah, that's incredible. So what I want to do is I want to figure out how we got to where we are. This program's amazing, and I love the win-win capability of it because I know this is making stronger men and women at the high school level, that's leadership at its finest right there when you can take people under your wing, when you learn to become a mentor, but you're also in an arena where you're the mentee. You've got coaches pouring into you, but then sometimes you feel ill-equipped to be able to mentor someone else. Well, here's a great opportunity where you totally can and you know you've got value to add. So I love that. Let's talk about your earlier years. Is there something that happened with you in your childhood where maybe you felt some of these things, or is this just something that you observed over time? Thank you. Thank you for asking that question, because I started off at an elementary school, which is very interesting because I had difficulty with reading. Schools became integrated when I was in the fifth grade, kindergarten through fourth grade. I went to James Lee Elementary, which was in the City of Falls Church or Fairfax County Public Schools. And we had great teachers and continued to give me support all the time. My parents were very encouraging. They knew that I needed additional support. In the summertime, I would work with different teachers to, to get better in reading. Then I, when schools were integrated, you know, I was almost prepared, but I'd really received additional support from really good educators. They knew I had it and they worked with me. I went to Madison Elementary, which was in the city of Falls Church. It's no longer there in the city of Falls Church, but I went to George Mason High School, which is in the city of Falls Church. And actually, we were only five Black families that helped integrate the city of Falls Church schools at that particular time. Just had my 50th reunion. Actually, it was a 51st reunion of the high school. Tremendous education there, but the big thing in education You can have good teachers and you have great teachers. I felt like throughout my career in education, I received good, really great educators. They were just superb and they worked with me and they advanced me so that I could go on to college. And uh, then I became a teacher. So 
it's been, it was very rewarding, but I learned a lot from the teachers that touched me. They learned how to support and nurture other students as well. So when you talk about integration, right, this is going back to the time of segregation, right? And so I just want to clarify for anyone who doesn't understand that, And being one of the few families that was really involved in that process, and I have to imagine that was incredibly challenging, right? The paradigm is shifting, and a lot of people don't want that shift. And so you're going to take the grunt of a lot of the emotions around it or the misunderstanding or just the ignorance, right? Correct, correct. It's interesting because the city of Falls Church in Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia, is only two square miles. So with that, there were only five Black families that lived in that area. So I lived beside my buddies in the same neighborhood that went to Fairfax County Public Schools. So the only time I saw my friends that I grew up with was at church. Hmm. Or on a Saturday that we weren't playing football against another program or or Friday. But that was the only time I would reconnect with the group that I grew up with. So then it's interesting because I was very fortunate. City of Falls Church, very liberal, great teachers, great administrators, public educators, the whole nine yards. I had great friends. Of course, there was a little bit of not in the City of Falls Church, but when we went and participated in Warren County, Berryville County, Winchester, that way, it was pretty tough. A lot of words were said, a lot of words that you don't like to hear. We had people rocking the bus. After we win a game, they would rock the bus. They would throw rocks at the bus. Coach Gamble would say, we're walking off the field. Make sure we always said football term is keep your hat on. So he said, don't take your hats off, keep them on. And we're not taking showers. Go directly to the bus and we'll get out of here. So, and then the police there would say, we'll take you to the county line. And I always thought, I'm saying, well, what happens after the county line? <laughs> right. <laughs> what happened? I always thought, but Mr. Major, who was our bus driver, which was the, the captain of the fire department that drove us around all the time, he said, don't worry, I got this covered. He always said, don't worry, get on, we got this covered. So, very fortunate with that. Well, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And uh, I feel like it's the finest show of leadership to be able to emotionally weather that storm and to not react, to truly be mentally tough enough to hold the things that you want to say that you rightfully could and should say to defend yourself or in retaliation and to just keep your hat on. So very powerful there. And Fun fact, right? Remember the Titans is a movie, one of my favorite movies, and and gives even some perspective of the time, right? Exactly. That was filmed right next to where you grew up, right? Exactly. Right, right down the street. Right down the street. So we we didn't play in that particular league or anything, but we knew of everyone. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a difficult time. You would think even in Northern Virginia, you wouldn't have that adversity, but When you're bringing in people that both groups you're trying to encompass and develop programs, it sometimes evolves into a racial setting, but also it's a competitive nature is also because you take the best 
of both schools and combining them, you know, you're going to have a competitiveness that I think it was overshadowed a little bit that the competitiveness of the can in the movie, it could show a little more. It's a competitive. I, I remember as soon as I went to a different school, everybody wants to try me. And if you don't show, it's okay. If you do show, they, they want you a little bit more. So uh, I think it's the competitiveness. It, yeah, it's racial at times, but I think with athletes, it's more so competitiveness than anything. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the lifestyle investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate, meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get, which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, Join me in my mobile home park masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. Yeah. And so it's interesting. You live in a world. So you were a student athlete, right? Correct. You then went to coach student athletes and pour into them, pour into them beyond just the sports, beyond just the etiquette on and off the field, but into leadership in many uh, different ways. Uh, so I've got to imagine, though, you've got a lot of these student athletes that their dream is to go on and be a professional. We all, you know, anyone who played sports probably dreamt that. Exactly. If you're playing in high school, you're close, right? A lot of the a lot of your athletes went on to play in, in college in D1, D2, D3, right? Correct. But the vast majority aren't going to they're not going to play professionally. They're probably not even going to play in college Correct. just based on that gap of talent. So a lot of the skills then that you're looking to instill need to be for what it looks like if you don't make it, if you're not a pro, if you don't 
get on the college team, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you're teaching young men to be great men. And a small thing of, you know, when you go on a job interview, you need to have your shoes shine. You have nice slacks on and a tie and a nice shirt. If you have a coat, great. You know, one of our rules was to go to a game on a bus or to school, you always wear a tie and be well-dressed. And of course, you have some players that will try you on the biggest ball games when you're going away. And you have to say, well, I guess you're staying home because you don't have your tie on. Because I think, you know, learning how to present yourself in a strong fashion means a lot in life. And that carries over. A lot of my players that are now parents themselves tell me, coach, I get it. 10 years ago, they, when they were in their 20s, they still were trying it. But as they got a little older, I get these text messages and Facebook and things like that. They'll say, I got it. I really understand what you were trying to instill in us because, you know, I'm a man now and I know how and I want to I want to be able to stand up tall for my children and other young men and young women in the neighborhood also. Oh, I love it. So I don't know if you're familiar with Javon McCormick. I had him on my podcast recently. He wrote the book Modern Leader. Yeah. And just a great read, just an amazing guy. I'm so impressed, but it's what you're talking about now that in a lot of communities, some of the things that many people would would take for granted just don't exist, like the education around like how to properly dress, how to shake hands, how to make eye contact, how to have conversation with people that are older than you, how to present yourself in the workplace, how to learn some soft skills that can make you more marketable, and even just language itself. And so it's interesting hearing you discuss this and seeing how much of a priority this is with your student athletes, that these are the things that are actually going to be more beneficial than blocking and tackling on the field. Exactly. It's life lessons. You know, it truly is life lessons. When we would travel to Myrtle Beach, for example, for a holiday tournament with basketball, I wanted my team to be first class all the way. All the way. So we explained to them how important it is to, we have three meals, we'll pay for everything, but you're going to have an allowance like you would if you were at a big time school playing basketball someplace else. So you have to learn how to budget. You have breakfast, you have lunch, dinner's going to be taken care of. Learn how to budget your money. Also, when you're actually eating, we we didn't dine with them every morning meal. You have to learn how to tip, tip appropriately. Mm-hmm. And be well dressed, be respectful, so that things follow through for the rest of your teammates. And we were very fortunate because our players understood what we were trying to do. And we had a lot of compliments from the staff of the hotel that we were staying at or where we were eating at that our players really did a nice job with it. And that's because they learned from each other the appropriate so that you can pass that on and build upon it. Yeah, and let's take that full circle because Stephen Verab told me that he's met many of your former players now through your golf tournament and different readers or leader events. And he just said they're some of the most amazing people that he's ever met, that they're just leaders at heart. They have gone on to do great things, but more over than that, they're just great souls. And uh, I think that that is a testament to the leadership that you've been able to provide and for that recognition that in the moment, maybe they didn't value what you were teaching them, but at some point they did and they made sure to get back to you to let you know. And the irony is 
you only hear from a small percentage of people for the impact that it had because there's so many thousands more for how long you taught and how long you coached. But it's still pretty meaningful to get those, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. It's very gratifying. And it's, you know, watching them now be great men. And you can see they're instilling good qualities into their families. That's just beautiful. Mm, I love it. And I know you're you're very modest. You're not going to brag about yourself. So I'm going to, because a lot of people probably don't realize that you had so much impact. You were so influential that the, the high school that you coached at named the gym after you, Coach Wendell Bird Hall. What a great honor to have anything named after you, right? But for how many people are going to pass through that and be able to hear the story, learn the story? I mean, I, I think that is one fine example of a life truly lived. Yeah, very fortunate. I mean, at that with having my name up on the wall there is really, um, it's just a testament of the young men that have gone through there and, and done some tremendous things and, and with, within their lives. So I share that with not just the young men, but all the young women that have come through, worked through the gym, worked hard times. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. And I'm very, very appreciative of that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you started this, I guess the blueprint began back in 2003. So when was it formalized? Was that it? Or was that just kind of the rough sketches? And then it took off at a later point in time? Yeah, around 2002, 2003, I actually had in my mind that I was going to teach for 31 years, and then I was going to try to figure out what I was going to do in my latter part of life. And I had one of my one of my mentors, uh, David Colburn, he said, we sat down one day and he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to retire. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I, <laughs> I continued to say, I'm going to retire. He said, but what are you going to do? You got some great lives. You've got a great life ahead of you. What are you going to do? And he said, put together a dashboard of things. You know, let's talk about it. Let's put together a dashboard. And I looked at him like, what's a dashboard? I've got to figure out all these all these terms here. So I, I went home and I started working on my dashboard of what I was going to do and plus and minuses of things and turned out really well. I then came up with incorporating my elementary school and my high school settings together to put together readers of leaders. And we, we had a pilot program at Langston Hughes in South Lakes for two years, for two years. And then after that, we expanded the program each year throughout Fairfax County, Arlington County, Alexandria, and throughout the schools. And now we're at, we're at a process that we're, we're at 38 programs. And that 38 programs, it means 38 student athletic programs are working with 38 elementary schools. So, I mean, we're, we're about 1,600 strong and it's really pushing forward. And it's, it's one of those things of it was growing so quickly, I didn't know if I could keep up with the economics of it. So we kind of try to say, well, we're very selective and we are very selective on who we place in the program because you have, if you're a coach, you have to really, you have to buy into it. You have to really make sure that your student athletes are there. You're monitoring those student athletes as well. Elementary is easy because it's a captive audience. They're going to come because the reading specialists or their teachers are going to do it. 
but you also may have to give up some of your practice time or adjust your practice time. Every time we did it, we actually, when I did our programs, we always practiced late that day. We're not going to practice at 3.30. We're going to practice at 5.30 to make sure we got plenty of time. We're not going to rush. We're never going to rush those elementary school students. We're going to make it through. So the pilot program went well. We pushed it on and everything else is history. Well, I love it. The second half of your life, Wendell, reminds me a lot of a book that I read years ago, which you probably have read, called Halftime by Bob Buford. Incredible book about moving from success to significance and kind of this whole idea, like you think you're retiring. No, this is the next season of your life. And this is the season of the greatest impact or the potential to have the greatest impact which is cool. And I just, I love that book. And I love that shift of thinking where it's not that you've come to the end, you've come to the beginning of the next chapter. And this next chapter can be more rewarding and more fulfilling than anything else that you've ever done. Right, exactly. My wife and I, we just retired to uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Great place, great beaches and uh, great golf courses. So it's been very rewarding in ourselves, but yeah, we really enjoying the opportunity to retire and enjoy our grandchildren and all those good things. But sitting around with some buddies, met a lot of great people down here, and we now started Readers and Leaders down here in North Carolina as well. So we have about three to four programs, actually meeting with a, a Boys and Girls Club tomorrow to see if we can expand it there as well. We're actually, it's going to be there, but we're going to, I'm going to do training tomorrow of the uh, students that are there so that they can work through it. So it's a really easy program to implement. We want to make sure that we just touch as many students as we can to improve their literacy. You, You can't, if you can read, you're going to be so much better and feel, have much more self confidence within yourself to be able to do those things that are important. Well, it's a building block. It's foundational. So in order to get to the next level of education, you need to have the foundation to be able to read to get there. So you can see how it falls apart for people, for kids specifically. They don't have the confidence. They can't get the next level of reading because they don't have the foundation on how to even read and interpret what it is that they will need to learn. So yeah, major challenges there. I love that you're going to be creating more of that in the North Carolina area. I've got a lot of family out there and one of my good friends lives out there in Wilmington. I love Wilmington, just an incredible place. And in fact, I probably should connect you with my good friend. I don't know if you've heard of the company N2 Publishing. Yes. yes. So my friend Dwayne Hickson and, and his partner Earl Seals are the founders of that company. But Dwayne lives there in Wilmington and oh. I think it would be an incredible connection for you. So remind me, I'll have to connect you there. Oh, yeah. So Talk a little bit about what it is that your vision for the future is. Like, how big do you see this getting? I know you've got an annual golf outing that you do to raise money and create awareness. I think at the end of the day, people would love this. They just may not know about it. So the whole idea is how do we shout from the mountaintops about this so more people know that this is a possibility to implement inside their program? Well, really, everybody could go to our website. ReadersAreLeadersNonprofit.org. It would be great. And just scroll through. You'll see that uh, what we've been able to accomplish in a very short period of time. You know, we've probably touched over 35,000 students or more at this particular time. And there's students everywhere. There's a possibility of starting a fall program in Florida 
I have people reaching out all throughout the country, but it takes a it takes dedication to run a program. It's not like I can't be there and run the program for them. So we're trying to find people that are very, very interested. I will do the training of the people. And from there, they start their program. And they, within a domino effect, they can push it on to other schools within their county. So anything in the respect of not having, we don't have but one large fundraiser, which is our golf tournament that will will be held September, Friday, September 30th. But there's always to, a way to donate to Readers of Leaders by going to readersofleadersnonprofit.org. Follow through our annual reports there. It will give you a great look at a great picture of what we've been able to accomplish and where we should be able to go from there. Well, fantastic. Wendell, I have just really enjoyed our time here. I love learning about all the stuff that you're doing, the impact that you're having, the this goal and passion that you have to to educate the youth and make sure that they've got a great shot at life and an opportunity to to grow into the man or woman that we all know that they can become. So I appreciate you sharing this. And for anyone that is interested in either supporting this financially or bringing this into their school, or if you know people that are in the academic school system that, that should know about this, please get this resource out because I would love to spread the word about readers or leaders and and make this a lot more well-known just all throughout the, the U.S., specifically throughout the world. I think this is such an incredible program. So thank you for joining. Thank you. And any last thoughts that you have? Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your time and being so that you reach so many people. I've, I've gone to your podcast. They're tremendous. And Stephen said great things about you, and I appreciate what you're doing, not just for me, but for others as well, because your mind, you're really helping people massage their brain a little bit there in that respect. But Readers of Leaders is there for everyone. We would like to thank you for spreading the word of Readers of Leaders. And we hope that we're able to push literacy as much as we can, because without literacy, we're a long ways out of it. So thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. This has been just a joy to learn about you and learn about this cool program that you've been able to create and the impact that you've had on so many people. Just so powerful. And I really love closing each episode out by asking one simple question of my listeners, and that's this. What's one step that you can take today towards financial freedom and living a life that you truly desire on your terms, not by default, but by design? so that you can do the things that you're most passionate about. You can participate in the things that you care the most about. You can get involved in things that make real impact and real change in the world. Thanks, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. 
Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.